0: Hello. Welcome to the Valley View podcast episode 72. I'm Tyler and I'm here with Matt and we had a very rare occurrence happen today. You know what it is Matt? No. What happened? Well, you do know we had to we had to uh, restart the podcast.
1: Yes, we did.
0: I pressed record like when Matt was mid sentence and so we heard something of Matt before I said hello. And then I got distracted and didn't do the intro correctly, so we had to start over.
1: It's like the most iconic intro in podcasting, so we we'll to get that right.
0: Yeah, extremely iconic. <laughs> How's it going, Matt? It's going well. Are you ready for a game? I'm ready for a lot of things, because you okay. said the ad read's really good today. You said you have a really good listener question. And we get to talk about Jude, which is a really fun book to talk about. That's Jude.
1: But before we do all that,
0: I've, a got, game. I've
1: got, yeah, this is a little game I like to call How Good of a Human Are You? Not. Okay. Well, we'll see how you do on this little test. <sighs> okay, this okay. will be the test. Um, so here's the scenario, and we'll we'll decide. All of the listeners will decide for themselves how good of a human you are, based on your response to this scenario. Okay. okay. All right. You're a, you're at Cub, grocery store. Okay. And um, you uh, you enter an aisle. Right. You're pushing your little cart down the.
0: Which I never do.
1: <laughs> you're going down like the canned soups aisle let's mm-hmm. say okay and as you're headed into the aisle you see um you see an old man and he's using his handkerchief you know what that is yeah and he's like blowing his nose yeah like it's a really good he's having a really good productive blow of the nose
0: i think handkerchief was a uh, a spelling bee word That's i think something. it was yeah yeah, yeah. Anyways, okay continue.
1: anyway he he has a really good blow of the nose and um then he, he blow of the nose <laughs> he tries to stick it in his back pocket okay Um, But he misses and it actually falls on the on the um, floor. Okay. And so you see this happen. The guy, meanwhile, takes off and he's like all the way down at the other end of the aisle. Now, as you're approaching the handkerchief, Said handkerchief. Yeah. yeah.
0: What do you do? He's all the way on the other end. Yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, I don't think I would get to that situation because if I saw it fall out, I probably call out to him as it fell when he's next to it. But saying this happens, like I get to it and he's at the end, Um, I would either not do anything or I would like try to walk over to him and tell him, hey, I think you dropped your handkerchief back there. <clears throat> so just to be clear, you would make him walk back and get it. Yeah. I'm not touching a dirt, like a dirty handkerchief. No. Okay.
1: Well, that's your answer. And that's fine. Yeah. Remember that the goal of the exercise was to find out how good of a human. Are
0: I you. said, I'm so- not, I think, dude, I think the fact that I'm walking down there and telling him, Hey, you dropped that back there. Like, that's like better than I would expect of myself.
1: Would it change your answer if it wasn't a very productive blow of the nose?
0: No, it touches boogers. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: I would, I would be All much right. more willing to grab it if it was like a phone or like a wallet or something. Okay. And I would also think it's more important. Part of the reason why I said I might not even say anything is I don't think a handkerchief is that important. You know what I mean? I mean? It's
1: got his monogram on it. I mean,
0: he, which means got... he probably has multiple. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like if yeah, it I my, my response or like my reasoning if I didn't do anything is just that I don't think a handkerchief is that important.
1: Okay.
0: If it was something that is like of more value or like would be more of a pain cuz like what what's the pain of losing your handkerchief? Oh no, I don't have my handkerchief. So, i need something else
1: so tyler is I need to blow literally with a
0: tissue like an animal
1: <laughs> tyler is literally running over this old guy's handkerchief with his
0: cart stomping on, on the it way down the way no i did i don't think i would do that do you want to know what i would do what uh, do you think i would do mm, i don't think you would pick it up you, I think I would. You think you would? I think I would. Okay. I think I would love. Well, the, you're um, a better human than me, so that makes sense. I think I would love the audacity.
1: I would hope there were other people watching. Is what I would really hope, that other people were in the aisle and they would see me have the audacity to pick up with my bare hands this guy's handkerchief and take it to him. That's how self-centered uh,
0: I am. Selfless. Actually.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good. That's a good. Uh, good question. Is that a demonstration
0: of selflessness or pride? So as we knew already and confirmed, Matt's a better human than me. Matt, who's our sponsor this week?
1: This episode, uh, episode 72, I believe. Yep. The Valley View podcast is sponsored by Pinnacle Roofing of Edina.
0: That's a good name for a company. Yeah. Pinnacle Roofing.
1: You get what they did there? Yeah,
0: you're getting better at this.
1: Yeah. Pinnacle Roofing of Edina. Pinnacle Roofing of Edina wants to impress you with our roofing skills. We, uh, or roofing. you say roof or roof?
0: It depends on the day. I don't think I have one. But we'll wins go with every time. We'll go with roofing. Oh, I, I I would probably say roofing typically. Well, roofing. I say roofing.
1: Uh. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Pinnacle Roofing yes. of Adina wants to impress you with our roofing skills. We use the latest technology in nails and shingles to make an impression on you and your neighbors.
0: The latest technology in nails. That just screws. I didn't know there
1: was. Yeah. <laughs> When, when we work on, uh, excuse me, sorry, Pinnacle Roofing. I'll get back to your text here. When we work, we play our music quietly and generally choose soft rock or jazz. <laughs> okay. That's a good selling point, I think, actually. Our lunch breaks are short, so we get back to work quickly. We uh-huh. pack our own lunches, so we don't have to leave the site to find lunch. We have seen our competitors go to lengthy drive through lines and have even seen them at sit down restaurants like Perkins and Red Robin.
0: Spill the tea, who is it? Which competitors do that?
1: (laughs) We do metal roofs and regular asphalt shingles. Call for a free estimate. We're just in a diner, so it won't take that long to get to Shakopee or Carver or wherever you live. Mention this ad when you call and get a free shingle.
0: One shingle, (laughs) one free shingle. (laughs)
1: or what the value of that promotion is pinnacle roofing of a dyna, we've got you covered <laughs> i that i think that's a little cheesy
0: it's not um, as good as if fun is on your mind we should be on your schedule yeah have you
1: been out to blue cactus yet
0: uh i have not because it doesn't exist but if it did i probably would have
1: and it would be in prior like
0: yeah so valley view if uh,
1: if a hailstorm comes through or if your roof is just getting old pinnacle roofing of a dyna um they're sponsoring so give them a um what give them a what
0: a shout a shout i think one of the ways that we're changing i don't i don't know if you've called improving because who knows if it's good um we come we have a lot more commentary on the ads these days like i feel like at the beginning i would just listen to you read it and maybe they s- maybe say something after and then we'd move on uh-huh. but now like there's just things to say about the ads i mean how much would it mean to you to know that your
1: roofer is choosing soft rock or jazz over like the classic rock station is I mean, like, that is that meaningful to you, or do you do you really care?
0: I like that they pack their own lunch and sit on the roof, <laughs> like like those like old black and white paintings of everyone sitting on like the steel beam, mm-hmm. like miles above the city.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're bringing their lunchbox. They're not leaving the site to are lunch pail kind of guys. Yeah, totally. But at the same time, they're listening to soft rock. I mean, so isn't that kind of a contradiction?
0: Yeah, I don't really know what soft rock is.
1: I think it's like uh, like maybe I would be Alton John and yeah, Michael. Bolton.
0: Okay, yeah, I'd recognize it if I heard it. Yeah, but I don't. I can't like put a face to it immediately.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the selling point here is that your neighbors are not going to make a big deal out of the noise that your roofing crew is making. I,
0: think I mean, that's they're still they're... nail it. Like they're still like <laughs> doing stuff like.
1: Yeah. If you're making a lot of noise with a hammer, does it really matter what radio yeah. station you're listening yeah. <laughs> to? Yeah. That's a great point, Tyler. Uh Anyway thanks thanks, thanks <laughs> pinnacle i really appreciate you hopping on board the
0: highlight time. of you is your name i feel like you probably shouldn't trash your competition so much. i don't like mudslinging campaigns but
1: <laughs> they've seen their w- competitors at red robin <laughs> i mean apparently they're driving around during lunchtime think, what book are we talking
0: about today we're almost we're done about,
1: yeah the second to last book of the new testament The
0: penultimate book
1: the penultimate book jude hmm. tyler what do you think of first when you think of Jude? I have something, but I'd love to hear your thought first. Um, when you think of the book of Jude, what, what comes to mind?
0: He quotes things that aren't in the Bible.
1: Ooh. Is that okay?
0: Uh, I've come to a conclusion that it's fine.
1: Okay. Did Paul ever quote anything that wasn't from the Bible?
0: I don't know. Did he? I bet you know because you asked.
1: I believe you did. Um I think it was um, at Mars Hill. Um, Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: Acts uh, 17. Um,
0: uh, Part of the difficult thing about quotations is that they didn't have quotation marks in Greek. mm, So sometimes like we we have trouble even now, sometimes Mm. when Paul's writing, knowing when there should have been quotation (laughs) marks there. Because like when he's writing to the Corinthians, like mm-hmm. we have two letters to Corinthians and he probably wrote four mm-hmm. at minimum. Mm-hmm. So there are times when we can see like he's responding to something that someone has said, but because there's not quotations, he just writes the thing that the person has said and then writes his response. And sometimes mm-hmm. when, we, when we read that, we think mm-hmm. that all of that is what Paul said. And then we get confused like, oh, is Paul saying two things at the same time? But anyways, yeah,
1: that's a great point. Like the quote, "How far the quotation goes" is also a huge question in the Gospel of John, as well yeah. as you probably know, especially chapter three. Um, is is all of what is in red? What you know? Did Jesus say everything that's typically in red, or at some point does John break in with his own commentary? Anyway, yeah, that's, that, that's a, another time. that's a different thing. <laughs> but yeah, so it, Acts seventeen, Paul talks. He quotes basically some of the um, some of the Greek poets. Um, Acts 17, 28, In him we live and move and have our being as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. So Paul at times quotes extra biblical sources, but.
0: And says that he agrees with them. I yeah, think that's and, the key and, thing. It
1: says, okay, there you yeah. go. That yeah. like
0: when Jude, some of the things that Jude quotes are like, or like makes mention of he's quoting it. Like, yeah, this is like a true thing mm-hmm. or like, I, like, I believe this is a true thing. Yeah. Um, and that's the, cause like, you know, we clearly know that people in the Bible quote other people and say that's stupid right like that's like that's not what god wants yeah things that
1: demons believe or quotations of satan or something like that it's much
0: rarer for them to quote something that's not from the old testament and Mm -hmm. say yeah we 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 agree with that Mm -hmm. yeah so um so what what uh
1: what should we do with that when we read in jude and he's talking about um things that um it's just the 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 devil
0: disputing over the body of moses yeah
1: yeah exactly can you give us any help on the background of that
0: oh shoot i studied this last year um if i remember right uh there is a book called first oh no it's called the assumption of moses uh it was like uh it was a greek text or a a hebrew text so like written around the same time or maybe a little bit after the old testament was written Mm -hmm. um and a lot of Jewish people around the time of Jesus regarded it as like, yeah, this is like true. This is like a thing that happened. Mm-hmm. And it talks about how, like, we actually don't have the ending of it. And Jude, if he's quoting from it, is quoting from the ending. Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> the archangel Michael and Satan were disputing over the body of Moses in the assumption of Moses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jude's quoting that to to make one of his points.
1: Yeah. So it's it's verse nine of Jude it just as one chapter. So if you're looking through there, wondering what we're talking about it's verse nine. I think one one thing that's helpful here it helps me with this is that it's a Jude just offers this as one piece of evidence in a list of support mm-hmm. that he's giving for um, people who were at one time in a, we could say like a, an acceptable state to God, or in a, you know, a safe or blessed state, who left that state, and then were destroyed, you right. know, he's, he's making the point that you can, uh, like the angels who were holy angels, some of them left their state and, you know, now they're kept in chains of darkness, um, things like that. And he just offers this as one supporting point.
0: Right. So it's not a major point of
1: doctrine. He's,
0: yeah. He's not making his whole case based on this. And even if he was, it's yeah. not, it's not like it's about salvation, you know, like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So things that are not in the Bible. I, the first thing I think of is the doxology that's at the very end. Cause uh. we, we use. Um, the last few verses of jude quite often i don't know if you know verses. this
0: but the pastor at prairie hill before you like this would like he he would usually say the same doxology and it was this one it was this one yeah the okay. last verse of jude very good
1: now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only god our savior through jesus christ our lord be glory majesty dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. That's a lengthy doxology. I think we should
0: end it the podcast all... now <laughs> <laughs> it
1: covers pretty much everything. So that's what I think of first. What I think is really interesting. Like my favorite sentence is Jude verse three, <laughs> beloved. Although yeah. I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write t- to you about something else. Basically. Yeah. Like yeah. this is what I wanted to write about, but now instead I'm having to write about this.
0: I just read about that actually, that it it was making, it was somebody who was making the point that like, we should do defense of the faith because it's necessary Mm -hmm. and we should do like profession of, or confession and profession of faith because it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. Jude wanted to write about the faith, like following Jesus, loving Jesus, because Mm -hmm. that's like the best thing ever. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet defending the faith against heresy is also just critical and we have to do it. Yeah. It was it was just an interesting perspective on it that I'd never heard and I liked.
1: I have to admit that reading it this time around, I did think, um, why not just write a little longer letter?
0: Or, <laughs> I never thought that before though. That's <laughs> funny. That's actually really funny.
1: Or write a second letter.
0: <laughs> you know
1: Well, maybe he did. Who knows? And, and maybe he did. But this is also coming from, you know, we who sit here with, you know, limitless paper yeah. and resources
0: you yeah. know, and you've got, and not living the, pers- the persecuted life of an apostle.
1: Exactly. Maybe with one precious scroll, Yeah. you know, the size of a postcard, who knows, maybe he was limited in some way by time or by resources or by whatever, mm-hmm. whatever the case is, he goes ahead and tells them, this is what I wanted to write to you about. But now this other thing is more important. Um, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith. Yeah. That was once for all delivered to the saints, like you were saying, to defense, yeah, the defense of the faith. Um, <laughs> the main problem here seems to be bad leaders. Is that what mm-hmm. you come away with too? Yeah. Um, verse sixteen: They uh, are following their own sinful desires, loud boasters, grumblers, and malcontents.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, people like to. It sometimes it can be hard to to <clears throat> understand what Jude is talking about both because some of the stuff in it is confusing. And then because off of that, a lot of times when people are talking about the new Testament, they just kind of ignore it. Like when I, when I was researching this to preach on it or teach on it, Mm -hmm. it was so frustrating because I would listen to people who were talking about the new Testament and they would spend so much time on Paul's letters and so much time on Hebrews. And then they would get to like the Johns and Jude and be like, "Eh, beware (laughs) false teachers and then move on. I was like, no, I need to know what this book is about. I have to teach kids about it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that's what it's about. (laughs)
1: You know, so Jude writes about false teachers with mm-hmm. with warnings. Uh, Peter writes about false teachers with warnings.
0: Second and third John, especially Second John, is about false teachers.
1: There you go. Paul also, you know, his farewell address to the Ephesians comes to mind right away. Mm-hmm. Look out for, you know, the wolves creeping in among you. Um, in light of all those things, and well, in Jesus, of course, and in mm-hmm. the Sermon on the Mount, yeah. you know, um, in light of all those things, do you think we pay enough attention to who we're listening to or do you think um we could use some more discretion in that area hmm.
0: um i think as a whole as human beings no we don't pay enough attention to who we're listening to i think that there are people who do mm-hmm. um but i i think it's easy not to you know like i think it's easy to just be like oh this person is interesting so mm-hmm. i'd like to listen to them
1: yeah I agree. I think the other thing that easily happens is that we can seek out teachers who agree with the perspective we already have. (laughs) Yeah. And so they're not so much of a teacher as they are a a confirmer.
0: Like a hype man. Yeah. Like, look how smart I am. This smart person agrees with me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Finding people like, you know, Paul writes about that to Timothy, you know, find people in the last days, finding teachers to suit their own passions. I thought
0: I heard, I thought of that. the itching ears passage.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The itching ears passage.
0: They're, they're, uh, what is it I think the actual translation of that is like longing to have their ears tickled something like that like you want you want to hear somebody's I mean uh, I heard this once that was like you don't you don't want to hear what people actually think you want to hear what you think coming out of their mouth
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: like that 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 is so true
1: I think it is. and
0: is I'm, I'm like very guilty of that
1: yeah and now with the proliferation of teaching because of the internet age you can, yeah. you can always find someone you can find anything many people who yeah. agree with that and take them as your, um, your leader, your teacher and so forth. Um, yeah, I think I'm with you there. Um, d- discernment is always in order. I mean, obviously it was a big deal. Uh, it, it is a big deal to watch out for false teachers because of simply, you know, how much time was spent talking about it. It would be enough if the Bible mentioned it once mm-hmm. be enough, but it's mentioned a lot. Yeah. It's a problem. It's never really gone away. I mean, in the early church, it was an issue, still an issue today. Yeah um we've got one book of the bible left it's a big one
0: <laughs> it's a biggie uh,
1: excuse me one book in the new testament left uh revelation do you think we're going to need to commit a whole episode to revelation
0: um i don't know maybe i mean we've spent less time with longer books we have we have also um, revelation i would say is the most confusing book in the new testament
1: listeners tyler and i will get back to you on that one we, we'll we'll have it we'll have an off uh an off yeah an off-air off com- conversation. conversation about um how to handle revelation maybe
0: um, we'll just skip it like calvin did <laughs>
1: yeah
0: if you didn't know this john calvin wrote commentaries on every book but he didn't do revelation
1: hmm. interesting i'll have to ask you know that, that someday no, I didn't know that.
0: Okay. Well, maybe I'm wrong about it, but I think that's true. Okay. Go Google it, and make sure I'm not lying to you. But I'm pretty—I'm pretty sure I read that in one of my books. Like John Calvin, when he was writing commentaries, wrote commentaries on every book, like skip and stopped before, Revelation. Stop before and Revelation. I don't think it was because he died. I think he just was like, "I'm not going to write about this." So.
1: Okay, um, we're going to close out the episode today with a, a listener question.
0: Oh, here's one question, quick. Okay. Um, are we are we going to do the Old Testament? Are we willing to announce to our podcast listeners what we're gonna what we're gonna do about that?
1: I think uh, I think we should.
0: We're I gonna mean, do the Old Testament.
1: Yeah, we'll do the Old Testament too. Maybe not right away. Yeah, I, I have some uh, topics that I I would love to get to maybe in between. Yeah, you know, and we're doing the the testaments in reverse, right? Yeah, new and then old. But well, in
0: the Bible, yeah, there was the four hundred years of silence between uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament. That's what <laughs> we're gonna have before we go backwards. Four hundred episodes of uh, not four hundred. No. <laughs> Yeah, we'll do four hundred episodes where we just turn the turn it on for thirty minutes and say nothing.
1: Steve from Minnetonka.
0: <clears throat> this is okay. I'm really excited for this. Matt said we had a really good listener question this week, and he hasn't told me what it is. Yeah, this is a real one too. This is from a real person.
1: This is a real question. Um, ironically, not a listener. I, I called it a listener question. This person is a prospective listener. He's never listened. He's never listened. He's That's being funny. recruited to listen by someone else at the church has hyped the podcast. To you have him, so. to tell
0: me that after I want to know who's trying to recruit Steve. <laughs> okay.
1: All right. Anyway, uh, Steve from Minnetonka, Steve and I were um, sharing, uh, we were having some chicken parm together the other night and he said, I've got a question for you guys.
0: Delicious chicken parm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Steve from Minnetonka wants to know, this is mostly for you, Tyler, but oh, you boy. Know, okay. Where is the optimum line for a youth pastor? between being relatable and getting fired
0: (laughs) okay where is the line between being relatable and getting fired
1: yes so do you feel like you understand his question
0: um i would love to hear you explain it more
1: okay here's what i i think he has in mind um you know to be presumably to be a youth pastor you have to be a, a little bit crazy and a little bit edgy um, a little bit willing to take risks just for the sake of relating to the students. Well, and like being at their level. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but you can't go too far to be like too quote immature or silly or crazy to go so far that you do something that's so um, irresponsible or crazy that you end up getting fired. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. So he, what he wants to know is how close can you get to the line (laughs) before you cross it and actually lose your job
0: yeah (laughs) so Um,
1: tyler as a youth pastor how would you respond to steve if you had been eating chicken parm with him and he said where is that line
0: okay here's this is this is my barometer um and i don't think this barometer would would work for everybody because of just different like temperaments and different people are good at self-deception but like I feel like my line is if I'm thinking about something that seems questionable, I try to, I try to think like, could I explain, could I defend this to a parent and not feel like I was just trying to defend it because I did it. Okay. Does that make sense? Like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: because anything that I do with the youth ministry, mm-hmm. like I, I have to be prepared. Like a parent could have an issue with it and be able to explain why I did it.
1: Good. All right. And I
0: would, do that regardless of what it was unless it was just crazy and stupid and happened outside of my control. And right. then I would just say, yeah, that was dumb. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, like there, there are times when I'm like, okay, I want to do this thing, but if I did this, could I explain it to a parent and actually believe what I was saying? That right. That's the way to say it. Okay. My, my barometer is could I explain it to a parent and believe what I was saying? Like really honestly in my core mm-hmm. think yes, I think I was doing the right thing.
1: Right. Yeah. That makes sense.
0: Cause sometimes it, it, yeah. So sometimes I can. I'm, I'm good at arguing, and I like to play devil's advocate. So there are times when I can defend something that I don't actually believe. <laughs> right. But it's just it's it's a level of like honesty with myself. Like, could I actually mm-hmm. defend this and believe that I was Influid doing the right it. thing? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Um, I like that response. Yeah. Well, because like, I, I mean, good. let's think of an example. Like, okay. Well, here, here's the example that I thought of. Like doing overnighters. All right. Um, overnighters are risky like you, you have a bunch of kids, Mm -hmm. uh, hormonal teenagers Mm -hmm. that are all hanging out with each other late into the night. I heard once when I was working at camp, I heard multiple times when I was working at camp, nothing good happens after midnight. Um, however, I think the plus side of overnighters is really, really good. Um, it creates a space that, that builds community. Uh, it can, uh, we're doing one soon and it's, it's creating a space that allows kids to go to a conference on a Friday and Saturday and like like get really, really good teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think the goods can outweigh the bads, mm-hmm. but sometimes you have to be, but you have to like when you, if you're doing overnighters in this day and age, you have to be able to defend it. And you have to be able to explain why you're doing it and what you're doing to keep it safe. Right. right. Um, and, and in my view right now, it's close to the line, but not over it to do overnighters. Like I, I can defend to parents, we're doing an overnighter for this, this, and this reason. Yeah. These are the ways we're doing it to keep it safe. And mm-hmm. I really do believe that we're doing the right thing by doing it.
1: Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, good example. Um. Here's here's another question for you. Okay. A related question. Uh. Which, I guess, is kind of assumed by Steve's question. Um. Do you feel like in order to be a youth pastor that you need to have a certain amount of, uh, silliness, craziness. Uh. You know, kind of this so-called immature relatability. No. Um, to do effective youth ministry, or can you be kind of a straight laced youth pastor and still have a good enough relationship with and be approachable enough by the, the kids?
0: You, you don't need to be silly and goofy, but you need to be relatable.
1: Okay. Tell us how do you, you know, if you're not silly and goofy, what, how can you make yourself relatable to kids? Cause it's kind of the, maybe it's just the nineties two thousands picture of youth pastor is, you know,
0: someone who's silly and crazy guy. Yeah. yeah,
1: Silly, goofy, crazy guy, do anything guy, you know, stuff a bunch of marshmallows in your mouth and try to sing a song type guy. Yeah. So what's the, what's the other picture?
0: Well, that might've been true 25 years ago. I think that it's much more important today for a youth pastor to be authentic. Maybe, and maybe that's, maybe that's just true because that's how I'm wired and that's what I think is really important. Yeah. But it's kind of, it's what I see with kids right now that like, I, I, I mean, I part of my lesson last night was, I was talking about evangelism and I mentioned that people don't like being marketed to mm-hmm. like, if people feel like a target when you're doing evangelism, like they don't like that. Like I wouldn't like that. Right. Um, right. I think the, honestly, I think that if my youth pastor growing up or if I was in a youth group right now, if my youth pastor was clearly just like putting on a facade of being silly and goofy and edgy and funny, I wouldn't like that. Like I would just feel like I was being marketed to.
1: Cause you would know that's not, like the real person not what they're actually like they're trying to project a different image
0: yeah well yeah if, if if somebody is really just like that off the walls and that's actually their personality and it's it's their they're being authentic when they're doing that and you can tell then it could be fine but I don't think most people are actually wired that way yeah so no so no I don't think that you need to be silly and goofy to be a youth pastor but I do think you need to be relatable mm-hmm. and I think today the key to being relatable is authenticity because I have I have small group leaders that are in their early twenties and small group leaders that are in their fifties, mm-hmm. and I think they all do a really good job because they all are themselves.
1: So um, authenticity, just trying to understand what you're saying there. Is it um, just being willing to, if I'm willing to just show up and just simply be myself and not make any attempt to impress or whatever, but just simply be yourself, be present, be a good listener, be a good question asker. Is that uh, authentic?
0: I think so. Well, yeah, I I don't think authenticity is like, when you're in a leadership role, I don't think ideal authenticity is showing up and just talking about all the things that are like, I think this can happen where somebody thinks that being authentic means coming and saying like, oh, everything is going bad in my life because of this students, can you pray for me?
1: So it's not equal to like vulnerability
0: not necessarily being, no be,
1: willingness to be vulnerable and right people.
0: i think I, there is a place for that like sometimes yeah. when i'm teaching i'll share something vulnerable vulnerable about my life yeah. i think this this borders on a social awareness discussion you know that like there 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 are things that are good and helpful and vulnerable for you to say and then there are things that are oversharing huh. oversharing is not helpful when you're in a leadership role mm-hmm. um it just i mean it i, I don't want to say it makes people think you're weird but it it does like compromise Mm-hmm. compromise the trust that people have in you if you're sharing things that are inappropriate or don't make sense or just don't don't fit the room that you're in
1: and if you're looking uh for ways to maybe uh confront an oversharer see episode 71 did we talk about we, that on 71 we did oh nice the oversharing coworker. i don't remember anything we say on here yeah, so that makes okay. sense. We, yeah we covered that but um the idea was that there are venues where it's appropriate to share more deeply and somewhere yeah. it's not mm-hmm. right
0: yeah. So okay. I, I think you can be authentic without oversharing.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, but that is a skill you have to develop. Um, and yeah. again, I think we've talked about social awareness on the podcast as well. So refer to whatever episode that is. The, um, and by the way, uh, Steve from Minnetonka
1: <laughs> made the point specifically that the question he asked did not come from any observation of Tyler Magnuson <laughs> getting close to that line. On the contrary, this individual over chicken parm noted that um like you ha- you display exceptional maturity.
0: Hey, nice.
1: So, um well, I
0: was going to say it'd be weird if he said that he saw me doing anything like that because he, he's not really around the youth group <laughs> ever.
1: <laughs> Thanks for the question, Steve.
0: Yeah, that was and, a really good one. That I, lived
1: up to expectations. Yeah, and I hope you do become a listener.
0: Yeah. So, I mean in summary, uh, be authentic without oversharing. Uh And uh, the line is what you can defend to parents and actually believe what you're saying.
1: Right. And if uh, you need a roofer, get in touch with Pinnacle.
0: Yeah. See you next week. Play quiet music. We will talk about revelation. Goodbye.